Welcome to the Food Foundation's Pod Bites, our series of thoughts and snap analyses of news events. I'm Vera Zakharov, and I'm the Local Action Coordinator for Sustainable Food Places Network, based at the food and farming charity Sustain. And I want to tell you today about Healthy Start and why families with no recourse to public funds deserve this vital nutritional safety net. So our alliances uh, campaigning on the Healthy Start scheme goes way back. Uh, Sustain, Food Foundation, and many other organizations have been working hard to make sure that this vital uh, nutritional safety net for pregnant mothers and young families delivers what its nutritional objectives intend to do, which is to make sure that every family, regardless of their circumstances, has access to the best start in life. A key part of this has been to campaign to extend the scheme to some of the most vulnerable and destitute families in our communities. And these are families um, who are refugees, migrants, asylum seekers, who are left in limbo, uh, often for many years, uh, awaiting decisions on their asylum claims, who in that time have no recourse to public funds. And this includes families who have legal right to remain, but even then, waiting to be able to become permanent residents or citizens takes years. And this means waiting many years before they can access benefits. And of course, for so many families, this means that they have little support out there to plug into. We've known this for years. We have campaigned uh, for the government to extend the Healthy Start scheme to uh, these families on very low incomes with no recourse to public funds. And for quite a few years now, they have been promising a consultation on the matter, and we are still awaiting this consultation. So this year, our coalition of organizations campaigning on Healthy Start have said enough is enough, and we have compiled an open letter to the uh, the Department for Health and Social Care, calling on them to immediately extend the scheme to families with no recourse to public funds. And as part of that, launch the consultation with uh, without any delay. As part of this, we worked with a legal team to set a strong case based on the human rights and based on precedent. Uh, in fact, uh, a few years ago, the government has extended um, access to free school meals to families on low incomes with no recourse to public funds. So this isn't without precedent. So we know it is in their gift and it is certainly politically possible, but we wanted to speed up this process. So we did two things. We called out to our networks, both national organizations and uh, local health professionals, local food organizations, local authorities, and asked them to sign our open letter. We had 148 signatories, really one of the most supported open letters our network has put forward to the government. And we also ran a survey to local frontline health and community food professionals and organizations and volunteers, asking them for their experiences supporting families with no recourse to public funds. We knew anecdotally what was going on. And indeed, Food Foundation had um, had published some qualitative research and consultations with families uh, with no recourse to public funds. So we know that they are facing destitution, that there are manifold problems resulting in poor nutritional outcomes. Uh, for particularly for children and for pregnant mothers, but also um, that we we know that the community landscape is ill-equipped to support them with the limited resources community and frontline services have. But we wanted this in 
um, in some hard numbers that we could put forward to the government. And indeed, our survey was um, really um, well engaged with. We had nearly 200 respondents from across the UK. And, um, and it said exactly what we knew anecdotally. Firstly, uh, families with no recourse to public funds, particularly since the rise of the cost of living crisis, have um, have been going into extreme food poverty and destitution. And according to our research find findings, um, have experienced uh, food insecurity to a greater degree than other families. Um, we also found that um, that. Uh, the biggest impacts have, of course, been on nutrition, poor nutritional outcomes, um, such as skipping meals and not being able to access any healthy or appropriate food at all, but also extreme impacts on families' mental health. Um, and I think this is really important because in a when families face insecurity, long waits, and the stress of going through the asylum process, the idea that um, food and accessing food support only adds to that stress, for me, is completely unacceptable. Now, the other thing that our survey found is that uh, frontline services are not equipped as they are to meet the level of need. So um, the majority of the respondents said that they were able to meet the need by allocating extra resources. This means applying for extra funding, uh, bringing in staff um, and, and extra volunteers, extra human power for free, but also um, deprioritizing other areas of work. So we know that this is not without cost. And in fact, it wouldn't be possible if other areas of work weren't deprioritized and if people weren't giving up their free time to do this work. Unfortunately, nearly 17 to 20 percent um, of respondents said that they cannot meet the level of need at all including the resources that they have. So we know that this is this is a rising crisis of rising need and reduced capacity. Um, and then finally, the overwhelming message from the survey is that uh, frontline support services and projects want to see an extension of the Healthy Start scheme on the basis of human rights grounds, as well as on the basis of public health grounds. Because don't forget, that many of these families are on a legal pathway for residency in the UK. So the outcomes of infants and children um, is for a public good to make sure that they have the nutritional safety nets they deserve. So on the, on the basis of all this that we already knew and, and got underscored uh, in a series of figures and numbers, we sent a letter to uh, Andrea Ledsom, <laughs> probably one of the first things that landed on her desk that she took over the remit of Parliamentary Undersecretary uh, for Health and Social Care. She's just joined the Department of Health and we sent her the open letter signed by um, our, our network of signatories outlining an immediate call for a consultation on extending healthy start to all low-income families with no recourse to public funds. Um, and additionally, in the short term, uh, to um, simplify the process that already exists in place for those families with no recourse to public funds who have uh, children who are British nationals, so their children are indeed eligible for healthy start, although their parents are not eligible as the adults to, um, to take the normal uh, benefit claiming path pathways, that those very murky, opaque, and complex to navigate processes are immediately simplified. But we know that this is not the solution. So we want uh, the Department of Health to immediately consult the wider public, organizations, local authorities, everybody involved in this, um, in this work on extending permanently Healthy Start to all families uh, facing food insecurity, regardless of their uh, immigration status or lack thereof. 
Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more, click on the link to our joint open letter and survey findings in the show notes. As we head towards the next general election, the Food Foundation is calling on policymakers to recognize the central importance of the food system in shaping the nation's health and wealth. Click on the link to the Food Foundation manifesto in the show notes and make sure you subscribe to the podcast to keep up with the latest analysis on what makes healthy food really matter. 